Hello, welcome to Skull RPG Podcast. My name is Dwight Skull. My name is Jacob Skull. And today we're going to teach you how to tell, tell your, your story. story. So Dwight, how would you incorporate gothic horror into a tabletop RPG? Nice. So gothic horror, the easiest way to describe gothic horror is kind of like vampires, so like the old school Dracula and that sort of vampires, thing. Vampires, Frankenstein, things like that. Yeah. It's kind of gothic. Yeah, the old like turn of the century horror. Um so, obviously, there was a notable game. I never played it myself, but uh, Ravenloft. Mm-hmm. Um, looks like they've made modules for 5. It came out in 2, and they made modules for 3, 5, and now they're making 5E modules as well for Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah. Now, one of the things I really liked about that, and I think it was in um, the 3, 5 supplements, they had this concept of... Uh, basically, these are like demi-planes of existence that were... Um, calling toward evil characters. And so even good characters locked in that plane or stuck in that plane would have to roll some sort of corruption. They would slowly get corrupted to evil over time just because of the... It's really hard for you to be good when everything around you is evil. Yeah, and I like that concept, especially for a gothic horror campaign is, you know, maybe you you, uh, just start out and say, okay, everybody's going to play good because you're going to need to. Mm-hmm. Uh, because over time you're going to get corrupted. Now this is kind of how um, D and D handled the Call of Cthulhu. Everyone goes insane um, because it's really interesting to level characters up and give them more power, but you're still having to somehow diminish them. And so in in Ravenloft, the concept, or at least in a Ravenloft light game, I guess the concept could be that over time, everybody there gets corrupted. And the more and more corrupted you get, and you can even come up with corruption points, mm-hmm. you know, and the more and more corrupted you get, the more and more maybe the the ruler of that plane can now affect your decisions, you know, mm-hmm. which is kind of a, a horror aspect as well, because you're now, you're not fully in control of your character anymore. Right. So if you wanted to, I don't know, you know, save the child or save the village, and I look at your corruption points, and I'm like, well, make a corruption roll. You know, mm-hmm. maybe it's like if you if you hit 100 corruption points, you're 100% corrupted. There's nothing you can do. So it becomes like a D100 roll real quick. Yeah. So you have 13 corruption points. That's fine. Just roll. Don't just don't roll a 0 to you know, 1 to 13, and mm-hmm. you'll be fine. Um, but if you did roll that, then you're, a, you're in, no longer in control of your actions, and you're going to now go help. The things that are that are doing the actions that you wanted to stop a second ago, mm-hmm. and then if you paired that with, um, you know, the whole vampires, undead uh, section of the of the, you know, any of the games that we've ever played have some sort of, you know, that sort of thing, those sort of monsters lying about. If you paired it with those kind of gothic horror monsters, and you created a kind of a head vampire or a head decision-making lead, mm-hmm. you know, in a lot of ways, like turning our attention to, in a lot of ways, vampire, the masquerade is modern day Gothic horror. It is. I mean, you have, um, 12 ish, let's just say, I know there's like, it just depends on how you slice the pie and to what year, but you have 12 ish clans. The clans are, are broken into two kind of three major factions. The one that, yep are trying to blend in with humanity so that the, you don't get um, another crusade. Uh, not really crusade. What was that? The Inquisition mm-hmm. and a Salem witch trial thing happening again. You have the other group that 
basically feels like they should just own mortals as cattle. Yep. And then you have the third group that's kind of like, I just want to be left alone by these other two fools, and we'll just do what we want. I just want to live my life. <laughs> or my unlife, I guess. <laughs> Uh, but in all of that, you have political intrigue, you have mystery, you have um, vampires running political organizations inside of cities. Yep. And older vampires running potentially even entire countries um, and having influence over humans and entire and, and these whole things. And so if you're navigating that world as a vampire, it's less horrific than if you're navigating that world as a human, for mm-hmm. instance. and. The World of Darkness books, which is the publisher of Vampire the Masquerade, has all sorts of books where you can really run through that game any way you like. Um, the less like a vampire you are, the more easily you are able to get killed, unless yes. you're like a werewolf or something, like a demon. But if you're human in any way, shape, or form, it's really hard to uh, keep alive. Um, unless you're a mage, but yes. Even mages. I mean, that game we were running, I had to scale back all the monsters, but... Regardless, um, uh-huh. regardless, the uh, the nice thing about that is if you wanted to run an easy and quick gothic modern gothic horror, I would suggest just doing a Vampire the Masquerade game. Um, or if you're not familiar with those at all, I really would suggest which was been called the most broken best video game of the year when it way came out, but you can get it on GOG GOG dot com for um, pretty cheap. You can get Vampire the Masquerade. Bloodlines. Bloodlines, which is the second of the game. So you want that one. It really does a good job telling you the story and getting you familiar. But regardless, um, going back to kind of a, a D&D game, I would play it with some sort of big bad who has some huge supernatural powers mm-hmm. and then a lot of levels of something like a vampire added to that character. Um or a werewolf or something like that. Some sort of... Monst- Supernatural, something monstrous. Exactly. And then I'd make sure that I'd get him at level enough that he can do... He or she can do dominate. Mm-hmm. So that you can kind of create that network that's needed for that. And then I would start creating levels of... Like, at that point, you start figuring out, like, what's the end goal? Is the end goal to kill this this person, or is the end goal something a lot less um, audacious, right? Um, if the end goal is to kill that person, which probably would be in a D&D game, then I would start looking at what layers and factions live underneath that person. And then mm-hmm. I start building it out. Like, I, I think about a video game at that point, where you start out in one little backwards part. You got to kill the local county version of that and you move up to the next one and you know you kind of have to like as you level up you're killing the smaller beasties that are controlled in some way shape or form willingly Mm -hmm. or unwillingly um by this big bad until finally they get into what i would call the third act of your campaign where now they're able to finally kind of do the last steps and go fight that person now because it's gothic horror I would have a huge twist where I wouldn't necessarily make it so that, I mean, I would probably put that guy four or five, maybe six levels above the party at six levels above. You're almost guaranteeing a total party kill. Mm -hmm. And um, then I would just let the, the dice fall where they may and see what happens because again, Gothic horror typically I mean, it can kind of end well, but even if you look... Okay, here's spoilers for Bram Stoker's Dracula, and no offense, it's been out for 100 years, so this is on you. Um, Dracula 
is said by Van Helsing that he can only be killed with a stake in his heart and then his head has to be cut off. Yeah, and they do that with the lesser vampires. But yet, when you hear the recounting of the tale after Van Helsing and... um, Van Helsing just shoots Dracula in the square in the chest and just walks away and Dracula's dead somehow. Right, (laughs) it doesn't make any sense. What makes sense is the two people that went, there's like three guys that went in, one gets killed almost immediately, and the other two kind of come out alive, and they tell you, you know, oh yeah, Dracula's dead, but when they, and the details are asked about it, Dracula gets shot, and then they just walk out of there, which, to me, because Dracula had been shot earlier in the, sh- in the book, and he was, no offense, he was better than fine. Mm-hmm. Um, it did nothing. Didn't even phase him. So now you have what I would consider Dracula gets cornered. He kills one. He dominates the other two. Mm-hmm. And then tells them to tell the rest of the group, hey, I'm dead. Everything's cool. So what I really like about the book Dracula is if you do a careful reading of Dracula, Dracula won. He's still around. And now he has minions with two kind of high, high-powered high people. Mm-hmm. He's just laying dormant and pulling strings now. Which is what he's done for hundreds of years. So what's another... Like, let's just let Jonathan Harker get old. Yeah. And we'll just leave it alone. Well, of course, the problem is, you know, maybe the book helped. Like, so when Dracula shows up again, people know what to do. But that we really like about the concept of gothic horror is that gothic horror has the element that the heroes may just all get killed... And there's nothing to do about it. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, you could then open up um, the next line of story where if you want to keep playing in that world, the new breed of heroes come up. And maybe they have a shot of killing because all of the guys are now less, right? Like the, the, first, the first group that went in has killed all of the people that, again, it takes time to ex- get experience. So they've killed all of the old captains of the guard that have maybe been around for a couple hundred years with that vampire. Uh, you know, now now he's got to rely on people that have only maybe been around for 20 or 30 years, you know. Yeah. And so it diminishes the power overall. Maybe the second time through you guys can do it. Anyway, that's how I would run Gothic Horror. The other thing I'd love to do, though, is throw on a corruption thing on top of it. And maybe every week or every kind of action that's somewhat questionable, there's some corruption roles. And you start mm-hmm. building up corruption points to 100, which could really make life a little easier even if you only did make the last guy um, only maybe two or three levels ahead, so easily able to be killed by the party, but maybe just one person gets killed. Well, if the entire party's walking in with 50 to 60 corruption points, as a free action, I would give my big bad the ability to literally make a command and everybody in the room has to make a corruption roll or follow it. Yeah. And so if half the party turns on half the party because they don't have any choice because of the actions that they did years I ago. Mean, how many how many spells does a wizard have to shut down a fighter permanently? Uh too many. Uh-huh. Right. And so that's what I would do with Gothic Horrors. I'd play around with all of those concepts and pick a couple and go with it. But I really like the corruption point system, frankly. Mm-hmm. Hey, thanks for listening. And for more resources, please go to skullrpg.com.